stand with us for the call to worship? We have gathered here this morning to worship God. We have come seeking comfort, inspiration, community, and insight. We have come to open ourselves to the power of God's presence in our midst. We have come to offer up the seasons and the turnings in our lives and to ask God's help in our learning and in our growing.
You may be seated, and as you are, let me welcome you all to worship this morning. It's good to see you all here and to uh, be able to join together and lift our voices and our spirits to the Lord and worship the one true and living God together. We do welcome all of those who may be guests today, those that uh, have been away for a while or those who maybe have uh, found their way to Southside today for the first time. We want to welcome you all, and also we're glad to see all of our members. In the summer months, people are away a lot and traveling, and we're delighted to see some of our folks here that haven't been in a while. So today, as you, um, if you will take time to fill out the guest registration or the, actually the, the attendance booklet at the end of each pew, and just put your name and any information you would like us to know uh, about you in that, uh, fill, it, fill it in there, and we'll be able to have the information. Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of the Five Points South here in Birmingham, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond, by welcoming all who come into these doors, welcoming all with arms open wide, saying to you that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. God has created us to be in this place, to worship, to encourage, to uplift, and to journey together wherever we may go. So I ask that uh, as we continue our time of worship, will you bow with me as we offer prayer? Loving God, you have created us for yourself. You made our minds restless until they embrace your promise as our own. Our hearts are truly aimless until we also understand your will as our own will too. No, Lord, we cannot accomplish anything until we see that the task before us is your task. We praise your name, O oh Lord. We praise your name and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom you have revealed to us and created us to be as near like him as we can possibly be. May our worship today be an expression of our whole being and may it bring honor and glory unto you. Amen.
Old Testament reading. It's from the book of Psalms, chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. I I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. gospel reading today is found in the gospel according to Luke, the eighth chapter. Before I begin reading, though, let me say a few things about what comes right before this text, because as Luke records this, this is, we'll pick up in verse 26, but before this, Jesus had been teaching his disciples about the sower, about the lamp on a stand. He has encountered his brothers and Jesus' brothers and, and his mother as they have come to as they're concerned about him and think he is um, sort of missing the mark a little bit. And now we hear of Jesus coming and he will restore a person healed. He will heal a person that is possessed by demons. Immediately before this, though, the disciples are on the lake in the midst of a storm. Jesus calms the storm, the waves subside. And he speaks to his disciples, and then they go on into this region that we will read about now. In honor of our gospel reading, would you please stand? They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. 
For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were were drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello again, boys. Today in Sunday school, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and it was joy. And I will tell you that we've got two joyful boys here today. We have definitely practiced joy, haven't we? Yes. We're overwhelmed with it. But now we're going to talk a little bit about something different. How many, have y'all been on a boat out in the water before? Yes. Was it calm or was it rough? Rough? I have two. And it was very rough. I was out in the ocean, and it got very rough. And the boat went up and down and back and forth. How do you think I felt? Well, yes, I did do that. I did get sick. But what else? Before that, do you think I was afraid? Yeah. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen, do you? You've not been on a rough one? Well, you don't want to go there if you don't have to. I can tell you that. Well, I'm going to read the story, and Reverend Tim talked a little bit about it before when he was reading. He talked about the disciples and Jesus going out in a boat. So I'm going to read a story for you. And I guess I need my glasses. We talked about that, too, that Miss Beth needs glasses in order to read. Said that Jesus was very tired. He had been healing and, and teaching to all these people. And so he was very tired. And he called upon his disciples and he called them to a boat that they were going to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side because he wanted to try to find some peace so he could rest 
and he could eat because he had been so busy. He hadn't had any food or any time to rest. But as soon as the boat went out into the sea, he laid, Jesus lay down and he went to sleep. So that was, so the disciples were there. Jesus was asleep and suddenly a big storm came up. What do you think happened to that boat when that storm came up? No, it didn't sink, but they may have, I think the disciples thought it was going to sink because it was being tossed back and forth, up and down, and it was a small boat. They didn't have these big old ships like we have today. These boats were a lot smaller. The disciples, even though they were fishermen and they had been out on the boat many times, they were terrified. They were so scared because they were out here on this uh, water. The storm was coming, and the boat was going back and forth. And they really thought that they were going to drown. That's what they thought. So what do you think they did? They went to Jesus, and they woke him up. And they cried out to him, and they said, Lord, save us, for we are drowning. And what, do you think Jesus got scared or upset? No. He said very calmly, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? He then spoke to the storm, Peace be still. And at once the wind stopped and the waves calmed. And the disciples were amazed by all this. So when we're in a storm, when we feel upset or scared or afraid, lonely, who can we call on that's going to calm us and give us peace? Jesus, yes. Jesus will give us the peace that we need. We just have to remember to call on him when we're upset. We need to call on him all the time. And we need to thank him for all of our family and our friends and all of our blessings. But when we're scared and when we're afraid, we need to call on Jesus so that we can, he can give us peace and he can give us calm. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the blessings of these children. We thank you for their joy and their innocence and their love, their unconditional love. And we just ask you to be with all of us today to guide us that we may find peace and calm in you in this turbulent world. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. As we come before the Lord to offer our prayers today, those prayers that are at the forefront of our minds or those that are deep within our hearts, things that concern us, concerns we have, may we bow together and call upon the Lord to bring a sense of peace and wholeness to us now. Almighty God, we, your children, gather here in your presence. We gather with hearts of thanksgiving and gratitude. We also come with hearts that are heavy. 
They're heavy over the events in the world and especially in our own nation. Loving Lord, we pray for healing and for peace in our nation and around the world. We humbly confess that we too often fall short of your intentions for us and our expectations of others. Oh Lord, we would touch the world with goodness, but often we withdraw with anxiety and self-concern. We would live with integrity and stand for truth, but we are torn with uncertainties. We would warm the lives of others with love, but we hesitate wondering if they will love us in return. We would go about our daily task with confidence and joy, but we find ourselves struggling with self-doubt. We need your presence, O Lord, and we know that you are here, for you have told us you're always with us, and you will never leave us or forsake us. But we, we desire to lean upon you that we might be all that you have called us to be. May our time of worship today bring some healing. May it renew us, may it strengthen us, that we may go forth as bearers of your love, your mercy, and grace. Oh, Lord, we do offer up to you all those who mourn today. We pray especially for those that we have seen in the news this past week. The Sterling family, the Castile family, the Thompson family, Samarapal family, the Crawl family, Aaron's family, and the Smith family. And we also pray for those around the world Orlando to Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Bangladesh, places where there has been terrorist attacks. For those in our own country, too, who have experienced those in other places, in Texas, California. Oh Lord, we come knowing that you are the Prince of Peace, that you bring peace and you comfort those who mourn. We also come asking, O oh Lord, that you would give us direction individually. May we hear your voice as you lead us. May we experience the fullness of your presence. And may we find the courage that you have called us to have as we face all the events of life that come our way. May we be a beacon of hope May we be a point of light for those who need some encouragement and direction. We come now, O oh Lord, seeking to follow you, to know you more fully. And we think of those disciples and those that you taught. And we come offering our prayers today, even as you taught those disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
blessed each week as the choir leads us in setting a tone for worship as they lift their voices and bring honor and glory unto God. And then as we're able to see among the faces as I look out and see the different ones and, and as they are singing each week, there's always a, um, a few in which something that's sung, something that's within one of those particular uh, anthems that you do, that it resonates with them because I can see it on their face. I can see it uh, speak to your heart. And that's uh, an important part of what our worship is, is that it touches all of us where we are. You know, this, as I prepared for today, I have to tell you that I, I completed most of this homily early in the week, and I was thinking about all the celebration that we enjoyed last Monday with Independence Day. And it was a, a glorious day. For most of us had a lot of family. We ate way more than we needed to eat. And then in the evening, we were able to uh, watch the fireworks show, Thunder on the Mountain, here as we sat on the lawn out here off of the 10th Court entrance and watched the fireworks. And for a brief moment, it seemed as though everybody in the world must be on the same page, at least in the U.S. They must be on the same page. I thought about that as I watched those fireworks, and, and there's a sense of pride and, and also gratitude. As I thought about those, the founding fathers and all that they went through to ensure that we have the liberty that we do have, and all those that followed, resulting in the fact that we have this great nation now 240 years old. But I have to say that as the week's events unfolded, that I began to wonder where we were as a people, individuals and people groups within. It seemed that what had been an air of celebration gave way to heaviness of heart as a weight of conflict and violence and death were processed by all of us as this week wore on. It was a reminder that there is suspicion and distrust, suspected conspiracy, and much of it warranted in the minds of many, all of which erodes the confidence, the trust, and the trust in leaders and the institutions they represent. It also erodes the trust in each other, those that we work with, go to church with, live our lives with. You know, we're better than all of this. We are better than all of this. And especially as believers in Christ, we are much better than this because Christ calls us to follow him and live in a way that he set forth for us. It doesn't mean that we don't engage in those activities that, that are important to the civic affairs of the, of the land, as we talked about last week in Christian citizenship. But all of this occurred this week as we, on the heels of our discussion and, and Dr. Humphrey's preaching on uh, Christian citizenship. And we read that text. The text that says, what does the Lord require of you, O man? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, I think in every situation, whatever it is, whether it's in our home or in our church or in the community, wherever it might be, there's always an effort to try to find, well, who's to, there's got to be somebody to blame in this. And we are quick to, to look 
for someone, and there are those in most cases that are more responsible than others, but what I'd offer to you today is that in some way, to some degree, we're all responsible. We're all responsible in some way. So as I thought about this this week, as these events unfold, I went back to this text, which I felt was good and the right for today, but I began to think about it in light of the fear and sorrow, the anger, the disillusionment, the uncertainty, all those things that we've experienced. And I would guess that every person in here has felt some of that as you have walked through the days of this week, from the highs of celebration to the, to the lows of the losses and the questions and the uncertainty and the fear that it strikes in many people. So as I went back to this text and began to read again, I thought about what occurred both as Beth taught the, the children this morning about the disciples in, in the uh, boat in the midst of a storm, but then also what God was doing through Jesus as he was there on the lake. And then the events that unfold after they completed their journey. So what I'd like to do is to back up a little bit from the text that I read and use the one, and Beth, thank you for reading that, because what it does is it sets out for us a situation that is a reminder that when difficulties or tumultuous times come, we are fearful that there is still hope for peace. We can be encouraged that even in that, that there's hope for peace. Take a, just quickly, think back to that event that occurred that Beth taught. The disciples are with Jesus on the boat. The storm comes up. They're doing everything they can to fight the storm. They're using all of their human resources possible, all the, the reserve of, of mental capacity they have to figure out what can I do? What can we do to save this boat? And what can we do to save the one that we have chosen to follow? They were trying, but they were not getting any results, at least not positive ones. Sound familiar to anybody? You know, you struggle and struggle, and you do it on your own power, and you just can't. But then they remembered there was one there that might be able to help. And so they call upon him, and Jesus responds, he's sleeping like a baby. He's totally at peace. He has no concerns because he is secure. He is doing exactly what God has called him to do. The results is they wake him up and he calms the wind, he calms the waves, and he then questions them of why they have so little faith. The one who is the Prince of Peace was with them in the boat. He was there as they faced all of the difficulties, he was there. They called upon him and he brought a sense of peace and calm both to the waves and the wind but also to their spirits, and they needed it. You know, when you think about this, and you think about where we have been individually, the storms that you have been in, for there have been many, the storm we might be in as a, a family of faith here, those difficulties that we, we reach back deep within us and use every ounce of reserve energy we have and knowledge we might have to make things work and sometimes we need to rely more on that one which is the one we follow 
Another part of this story is that after Jesus calms the storms, he doesn't say, well, let's go back to where we were. <laughs> you know, wouldn't you think that after he looks at these disciples and he sees them totally worn out, they are, they are fatigued, that he would say, well, you know, let's rest a bit and we'll go back to where we were. But no, he says, we're going to continue on. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I might have been more, uh, more inclined to think, well, it would be better, Lord, if we just went back to that familiar place that we know, go back to that place that we are more comfortable, go back to those beliefs and those ideas and the mindsets that we have, and there, that way we'll be, we'll be okay. But they push on. This particular part of the lake that they are crossing, about five miles across, to the region of the Gerasenes. And as they go, after encountering the storm, they come ashore. And remember, this is in the evening, probably after the sun is set. And they come across one who is possessed, this Gerasene demoniac. I mean, he is. He is one who is possessed by many spirits. Now, we can talk about what that means in today's language, but in reality, some of that doesn't matter that much. He was tormented. He was tormented by the circumstances he was living in. He was tormented by the fact he was estranged from his community. He was tormented by the fact that he kept hearing these voices. He was tormented. C.S. Lewis writes about this kind of demon possession. He says, you know, there's two ways to look at it. And usually people fall into one of these two, two camps, unfortunately is that they totally disregard it as nothing like that could ever happen. The other side is that they believe it so much that they spend all their time looking under every rock for a demon. And that they choose to attribute all that's bad that happens to them as being that. But in reality, I think it is much like what we all experience. And it's explained sort of in this, this little poem that I came across, which I think I certainly relate to. I don't know about you all. But it says that within my earthly temple, there's a crowd. There's one that's humble and one that's proud. There's one that's sorry for his sins, and there's one that unrepentant sits and grins. There's one that loves his neighbor as himself, and there's one that cares for naught but fame and self. From such corroding cares, I would be free. If I could once determine which is me. Well, think about it for a moment. We fight that battle between that, that that we want to do, as Paul said, the very things I want to do I cannot do, but I, I do the things that I don't want to do. It is that pull between our lower nature and that of Christ's calling. And it manifests itself in those, what we might call those cardinal sins of pride, of envy, of gluttony, of lust, of anger, greed, and sloth. But the truth of the matter is, it really doesn't matter how much how it manifests itself because every person is going to respond differently. Wherever our weakness is, that's where we will find ourselves being pulled. And as we are, we will find ourselves succumbing to those tendencies. We'll find ourselves succumbing to those things that tend to make us feel better about ourselves and where we are, and oftentimes less about those people that are different than we are.
when we think about and, and try to process all the events of the week and think about what has gone on in our own lives and how we've, how we've each processed differently all the events of the week, and not just the week, the month, the year, and even for the last decade, all the events that's gone on, and even from for some of us for two decades, I was reminded that there are now people coming of age that were really not old enough to remember 9-11. They were three, four, and now they're, you know, they're late teens. Can you imagine what it's like to never have known anything different than fighting a war on terror? There's another part of this, that when Jesus heals the demoniac, the demons, whatever they were, go into the herd of pigs and they go down the steep embankment into the lake and they're drowned. The people of the town didn't like it or that region. And remember, this is a region that's part of the Decapolis and therefore it would not be one that had much warm feelings to any of the Jews that might be there. It was a, a Greek region, those 10 Greek cities that were established there. And so that even the swine themselves might have been sort of a, a way to thumb their nose at those that were Jewish. But they come back and they're upset about it because Jesus has disrupted something that is a part of who they are. And they say, we want you to leave. We don't want you here. We want you to leave because you're challenging what we believe. Forget that you have restored one of our own to us and made him whole and, and accepted him and created in him a, an ability to relate to us and be reunited with his family. We don't care about that because you are jeopardizing our livelihood. You're challenging us to change. You're making us see things in a different light. This man wants to go with Jesus. He wants to go and to be with one, just like the, at the transfiguration that Peter, James, and John, this is great. Let's stay right where we are. Let's don't, let's don't go anywhere. This is wonderful. But Jesus says, no, you stay here. And in those moments, there was a, a sending off of one who would carry the gospel to a region, the gospel of peace and of hope and of healing, and of reconciliation to a people that had not known in the way that Jesus taught it. So what does all of this say to us today? Does it mean anything to us as we read this and we think about Jesus offering hope to them in the midst of a storm, providing courage to them as they journeyed on, meeting the needs of a person who was strange and different one that looked different, that was uh, wild and gave every indication he might bring harm to the whole group. I think what it says to us is we have to, in all cases, pray and seek understanding about what God is saying to us. As we interpret the events of the week or the events of next week or the days to come, that we have to see them through that lens of who Jesus is and what he's about and the fact that he calls us to be different. He calls us to be different here 
in the community wherever we go. In our Sunday school class, we've been studying how we might be a more caring church, practicing personal and also corporate radical hospitality. And one of the quotes there was that there's um, this sense of mystery about grace. We can explain it. We can't explain it at all, but we know this, that when grace is experienced, when it overtakes us, that it meets us where we are. And not only does it meet us where we are, it also causes us to move from that place. It will not leave us there. In our understanding of race relations, in our understanding of political views, in our understanding of relating to one another from all walks of life, grace is key to us being able to interact with people and understand what God is calling us to be. Henry Nouwen, who many of you have read extensively, I know, talks about the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it's like to live in somebody, inside somebody else's skin. And he goes on to say that it's the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. What Christ calls us to do and to be is to be those conduits of his love and his mercy and his grace and to know that he is calling us to move off point, to give consideration to where his grace might take us. And so today we all come to a point in a time of worship where we sit and we ponder those things and we can either go back to our places where we live we can go back to things as usual and be appalled at all the things that go on or we can do our part we can't do everything but we can do something and wherever we are we can be a be that beacon of hope person that brings encouragement and we can always seek to understand those rather than immediately trying to judge people and allow that to be what God does in all that we do I want to ask that you pray with me and pray that we would commit ourselves to, to that to understanding and seeking understanding of others and the differences we have not to change people but to understand them and in so doing, we will walk closer, I believe, to Christ as he leads us and to the people he has called us to be. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, in this time of worship, we have thought about the wondrous wonders of your grace and your mercy and your love. And the reality that you do call us to be the salt and light. You call us to be involved in community and to not withdraw from those opportunities that are presented. You also have told us that it may not be an easy journey. But we do trust that as we follow you, 
we will understand bit by bit more of that mysterious grace that we hold on to with every fiber of our being. May we commit to changing our thoughts, our ways, and be more like you and your thoughts and your ways in all that we do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We come into a time of decision, and it's a time for us to dedicate our lives either to come forward to offer prayer or to come and to join this fellowship of faith. Maybe you choose to come and to say, I want to follow this person, Jesus, this one that is these disciples followed. I want to follow him and be like him. Come as we sing our hymn of promise 481.
Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But also do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. May we offer these gifts, gifts unto God for his kingdom's work even now. Amen.
Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings into your house. We present them to you, O Lord. Bless them and use them for your kingdom's work. In your name I pray. Amen. Today, as we prepare to go out, let me just offer a couple of words of announcements in the way of announcements, and that is that uh, on Wednesday, we have um, a special opportunity in the morning for those that want to come and join a group that's going to the Bright Star Ambassador for Fellowship Lunch. Be here at 11, and we'll go out there together, and we'll share that uh, meal there at the Bright Star, time to fellowship and to spend some time together. Then on Thursday evening, we have our um, contemplative service. I invite you to come and be a part of that, a time to, to sit and reflect on God's word and to listen to what God might be saying to us. As we go out today, we do so with a assurance that God goes with us. God goes before us, but we're challenged to go and to do what we can to bring hope and encouragement, to bring and be bearers of peace, the peace of Christ. Before we have our benediction, please turn to those close to you and pass that peace of Christ to those, and then I will pronounce the benediction. And as you go now, may the love of God, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the grace of Jesus Christ be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.